Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and today I'm joined by Scooby journalist and writer Philip Ellis. Hello. Hi, Philip. I love when you're back. <laughs> I love being here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we had a little bit of a debacle. I messed up Philip's intro like eight times, and I still don't think I got it quite right. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. All those things are technically true, so um, I'm I, I'm not going to be super precious about it. <laughs> um, I forgot to add that you're super handsome, too. Oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> this is how Ian keeps getting me on as a, as a guest host. He's just like, showers me with compliments, and my, my, my fragile ego takes it every time. <laughs> Um, so we've got two fantastic guests today. Uh, so first of all, we are joined uh, with returning Scooby, writer and editor with publications such as Sci-Fi Fangirls, Vanity Fair, Glamour, and host of the Trends Like These and Strong Female Characters podcasts. Courtney Enlow. Hello. Hi, Hi, Courtney. Hi, friends. It's so nice to have you back. It's so nice to be back. <laughs> And joining us for the first time, we have a comedian and producer of the Inside the Closet podcast. Tyler Mead. Hello. Hi, Tyler. How's it going, (laughs) y'all? I wanted Tyler's intro to be a Twitter villain, but he didn't love that intro. (laughs) (laughs) Again, you had David on the show. Yeah, David Vasquez is, well, he's my Twitter enemy. You're just a Twitter villain. (laughs) I don't think I've done anything to antagonize anyone ever. (laughs) Never. No, no. (laughs) Uh, So Tyler, since it's your first time on the podcast, do you want to give us your Buffy origin that will give me a nosebleed because I'm so much older than you? Yeah, uh, and that has nothing to do with being older than me. That's just old age. Um, But (laughs) yeah, we're already getting started. Um, Okay, wait, before you get started... Literally, the first time Tyler and I met in person was when he was working the door at uh, the Slayer Fest live show and immediately was like heckling me while I was rehearsing. So, continue. And it made you better. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) Well, it made it better for me. (laughs) Um, But yes, I get to heckle you. But in my defense, uh, the drag queen was also heckling you. So, it was a gang effort. So I felt really good about my rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, and then I assume it went well. I didn't see it because I was working the door. Continue. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're fine. That happens. Um, but so I started watching Buffy right after my senior year of high school. Um, I won't say the year for Ian's sake, um, but I was in second grade when this episode that we're talking about today actually came out. I checked. Um, so I had never seen Buffy before, started watching it summer after high school because my oldest brother suggested it. And then, uh, it actually is what like super endeared me to my college editor at my school's paper. Uh, shout out to Charles Permesco if he's listening, but like, that was one of the first things we ever talked about, which was like, why does Buffy never carry weapons? And we both got way too angry about it at, at, during a meeting for the newspaper. And so that part, like made me power through Buffy, despite uh, being on season four and him being like, oh, man, the worst is yet to come. <laughs> but then season five is like the best. I did love season five. Um, that That's one of my personal favorites. Um, but yeah, Buffy, I remember loving Buffy. One of my best friends in college, Jamie Rosenberg, whenever we would hang out and get drunk, we would just watch once more with feeling because we were not cool. <laughs> Uh, that sounds fucking wonderful, actually. <laughs> oh, it was great. I mean, it's some of my best memories from college, but it is one of those things where it's like, 
I watched that episode a lot, and that's why I thought season six was great. And then, like, revisiting it, I'm like, oh. Yeah, so on, on, that, <laughs> on that subject, uh, we are here today to talk about the episode Dead Things. Um, and, and yeah, it's basically, I feel like this is, when people talk about how season six is really hard to get through, and it's super dark and super depressing, this is one of the episodes that really kind of encapsulates all of the, the bad feels. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was more bad feel than person this entire episode. Uh, so, so I rewatched the episode this morning with my with my coffee, and I was just like, "This is a, the worst possible way to start a Sunday." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, good morning. Everything's terrible." <laughs> like, "Oh, sexual violence and manic, like, like, like chronic, you know, depression," and it's just like, "Oh." Um, yeah, so so let, let, let let's uh, let's kick off. So we start, we open with uh, an off-screen bang fest between Buffy and Spike. They are continuing their tumultuous relationship under a rug. They missed the bed this time, and they're basically having that conversation where one person in the grinder hookup thinks it's going to lead to a relationship, and the other one's like, "Where's my? Where are my underwear? Like I have to go." <laughs> but but Buffy actually, so like. This conversation is almost cute, and then it's like, of course, suddenly not. Uh, this is like one of the more normal post-sex convos they've ever had. And this episode, again, I mean, the whole season, they kill me with Spike because there's moments when it's like, oh, she's being really shitty to him, and he cares. But then there's moments that we'll get to later where he fingers her on the balcony, and it's not great. And I just... I don't know what they were trying to say. <laughs> For a lot of reasons, and I have a lot to say about that. And we will we will spend possibly an hour to two hours on that scene alone. <laughs> I cannot wait. And also, like, you don't use a rug as a blanket, right? There, there's a nonstick, stick, like, fiber on the other side. It seems like yeah. it would cause some chafage. <laughs> yeah, like it wouldn't feel good on no. your parts. No. So I was just going to say, they, they both have like accelerated healing, so they can take some rug burn. It's fine. True. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I because when he's like, do you even like me? I do feel bad for him. And he's like, do you even like me? And she like hesitates for way too long and is like, sometimes. Like she doesn't even phone it in with a good answer. She's just like, sometimes I like you, which I think is true. Sometimes she does. Oh yeah, in there, there, there are, and that's that's the thing. There, there are moments when you you really realize you're like, oh god, I've I've been the spike where I'm really just like so into somebody, and I'm like, do you like me back? And they're just like, me, you know, like you're you're around, you're all right, you know. If 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 you're yeah, if you're in front of me, like I'll you know I'll I'll have sex with you, but then like I you know, and it's just yeah. So they they lean into the empathy for Spike at the start, um, but then it kind of goes to a a weird place again where he immediately is like oh if you're gonna stay like i've got these handcuffs like what are we gonna do with them and uh and also i assumed that she was like annoyed and left but then we're supposed to assume that she was not annoyed and did not leave right? oh no I, I i took that as a when when he says do you trust me and she says never um that's like but it's a sign of how kind of just completely in free fall she is that she's like she i don't trust him at all i'm still gonna enter this kind of like bdsm relationship with him where like trust is the foundation for that kind of thing and it's just like it shows kind of how messy and and toxic this this entanglement they have is 
Um, and speaking of messy and toxic, we we then go, uh, there's a, a very brief scene before the credits where it's catching up with the trio and they've created this rape device uh, like a like a like, the orb of incest. yeah the 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 orb of incest yeah the I think it's called like a a, a a neural inhibitor or something it's basically like magic date rape and they literally say we can make any woman we desire our willing sex slaves which is a literal oxymoron because a willing slave is not a thing but it actually it I mean like and here's the like okay this episode is is dark and fucked up but it goes places that I actually appreciate. That we will get to, but I it actually because this episode starts with them, of course, being like da 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 da, da wacky, but like that because they genuinely, um, I would say in in all cases they are all varying degrees of like nice guy incel dipshit, but I think Warren obviously is it comes from the most malicious and titled to women's bodies place, whereas um, Andrew and Jonathan like. They are genuinely surprised later in the episode to find out like, oh, wait, is it like they they genuinely like they're the exact kind of person that wouldn't know there's a difference between sex slave and rape victim. Like they don't have that ability to understand that like that still makes them fucking evil. Like do not mistake me. But like to actually have a show call out that about like dumb dipshit men was like even at the time I remember thinking like yay thank you yeah thanks yeah Joe. right it's it's crazy that it's it, at the time it was like that was kind of un- it, I I felt like at a, at that time most shows would have just played it out as like them being wacky and not really addressing how like intense and fucking terrible they were uh but because it's Buffy it's like they actually do a good job of like just being like no they're terrible but I think even when the episode first aired because this is what like 2002 and so I I, I think the expectation yeah, yeah. even though this was like a much more mature season I think the the, the viewers expectation is that it was still going to be a bit more of a romp than it ended up being this episode I think that the you know the the wackadoodleness like the this episode this whole season has such like strong peaks and valleys that like don't necessarily match with each other but i think that like this specific plot point where like these like just complete like incel dirtbags get called out for this thing i feel like that couldn't have happened if marty Noxon wasn't show running oh yeah at this exact time like i feel like that like for better or worse she was necessary to that specific thing yeah and you know we had uh, Drew Greenberg who wrote uh, Smashed. And a thing that I hadn't really thought of is that all of this stuff, Joss like had it. Like he knew what was going to happen this season. Like he gave them the outline. So clearly the trio was always going to be there. The, the the Tara's death was going to happen. Spike and Buffy, like Spike and Buffy fucking down a house was like in the notes Drew Greenberg got for writing his episode. So I do think you're right. I think like, it's because Marty Noxon was running it that we got to be like, oh no, these guys are gross. We're not going to show you them. We're not going to make them sympathetic. Uh, you know, of course, I'm glad that they eventually, uh, Jonathan, Andrew, at least like eventually kind of turn over a new leaf, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think it, I think it would have just been like a redemption arc for Jonathan and Andrew. And Warren is like bad, but 
we don't want Willow to kill him, even though we still kind of do. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> watching this episode. It was, uh, it made it really hard to then think about the kind of character rehabilitation that Andrew gets in season seven. Even though it's like it is a redemption arc, and there are many, many characters in this series who have done, you know, terrible things. Um, but it's just, it's the, it's how complicit they are at the start. It's just like it's kind of really hard to get past past that. The thing I was thinking about, which is like now I'm the one getting off subject, so yell <laughs> at me, Philip. Um, I was wondering what you guys thought. Like, I felt watching this, I felt the most mad at Jonathan just because it's like, but you were friends with Buffy. She saved your life numerous times, you dickhead. You gave you her gave... the umbrella. <laughs> yeah. Like, you gave her the award that was recognizing what a good like person and what a hero she was in this fucking town where everyone dies all the time. And yet you are still complicit. I think I think that's frustrating because he's the character out of the tree that we've spent the most time with. And he had that whole episode in season yeah. four where he was supposed to learn his lesson about, you know, being yourself and you can't use magic yes. to solve your problems and get women. Um, and clearly, you know, like many men, he did not learn that lesson. I almost think that I so I almost think that that's why Jonathan had to die and it couldn't have been. In season seven, Jonathan being the one that joins the group, I think it had to be Andrew if we had to pick one because like they knew Jonathan and I feel like Andrew was a no one they didn't know and it made it easier. I mean, granted, like I, like you said, Philip, and I actually have that in my notes, it makes it a lot harder uh, like believing Andrew's redemption arc in season seven, knowing all the things he went along with. And, you know, at the very end of this episode, I'm getting very ahead of myself, he says like, oh, we got away with murder. And Jonathan's the only one that seems like slightly yeah. shocked by it. Do they ever explain the switch for Jonathan? Because I was thinking, I was trying to remember it right, because I remember that scene where he gives her the protector award. I was like, wait, I know that was back in season three, but like, what happened to Jonathan again? Like, why is he evil now? I feel like they're all just, they're all just like classic like nice guys like, I'm such a great guy and girls don't like me and we're gonna blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just... <laughs> The, like the trio is just the Joker. Like oh. I don't, I don't need to see the Joaquin Phoenix Joker because it's just this trio. Didn't he? Yeah, and he brought like a gun to school at one point, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like how many? Yeah, how many times are they going to give him the opportunity to like learn a lesson? And they're like, oh, we'll shuffle him back in with like the loser villains. Like it just seems weird. He's he's never made any real sense to me in the show's like line. Just because he's so back and forth. I, I think that they probably just really liked that actor. Um, and they were like, hey, hey, do you want to come back as a villain this season? And, you know, of course, you say yes, because he was in, you know, like two or three episodes a season prior. So like, yeah, sure, I'll be in a lot more episodes. Um, I would also like to shout out one of the other evil things in this episode, which is uh, Buffy's Carol Brady haircut, because what the oh fuck? My oh, my God. It's, but it's so 2002, the sort of the way it just sticks horizontally out. Uh, and I think it this doesn't this is, move. It's, I think maybe it's, it's upsetting. This, this episode is the, the last one before she starts wearing it a bit straighter. But yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. But yeah, so it's very distracting when she's like, I have deep emotional problems <laughs> and eight gallons of hairspray in. <laughs> okay, so the, the scene, um, like, t- kind of toward like the the middle endish where it's like it's a it's a spike buffy sex scene and she's on top and she's like writing him but she's like dead-eyed because she's also having like visions and her hair is just not moving and it's like the weirdest most jarring thing about this 
again, incredibly toxic sex scene interspersed with visions of like Buffy <laughs> thinking she killed someone. It's her hair is somehow the worst thing about it. Um, I will defend having hair that doesn't move during sex. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna get this train back on the track. Um, so yes. we we come back from the credits, and Tara is meeting Buffy at the Double Meat Palace. Um, to so that because Buffy is paranoid, she's convinced that she's come back from the dead wrong, and she wants Tara to investigate. And I I just one of the things that I genuinely like about this really upsetting episode is the the Tara Buffy connection that happens outside of the main group. I I wish we could have gotten. I mean, spoiler, but we get like the cruelest death in like three episodes or four. But I really wish we could have had a more like more more episodes where there's like scenes like this. Seeing Tara like because even though she's not in the credits, she's still there a lot and we get to see her do things. And I just would have liked more of that. Like, I, I think she's almost it makes sense that Buffy goes to Tara because Tara's the most tender. She's also like it's like Giles and then Tara are the ones that are the most like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, you're being ridiculous. Everyone needs a comp, but they're like very good parents about it. They're like, hey, this isn't a good thing to do. Calm down. It's okay. I love you. Tara's just like so sweet. And I just it made sense that Buffy would go to talk to her. I mean, also because she needs Tara to look at like magic stuff and she can't have Willow do that. But Willow and Xander, especially Xander, tend to jump to like judging and like getting like upset at Buffy and Tara never does right and also I think because she's not as close to Tara it's easier to her to kind of say these say these things to her um and I think that's so yeah in that scene she kind of you know when she's saying um like Spike can hit me you know he can he can hurt me and she's kind of rubbing her wrists and it's like oh yeah okay there's those handcuffs got used okay um so then we go to a cocktail bar in Sunnydale that we have never seen before, and I don't think we will ever see again. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I, was, I would sit at that bar and I would have a, a dirty martini, absolutely. Um, so I first just want to say, so Warren's shirt and tie combo is so gross. <laughs> I can't believe Katrina was like, that's a fancy suit. It's like, he is, it's like, what, like a mauve silk tie and a lime green shirt. <laughs> And it's like very ill-fitting. It's very like I mean, he does look like a Joker in that. Just going <laughs> back a little bit, like it is a Joker costume. You're right, it is. I mean, they they definitely dress him on purpose. Uh, like he looks like the type of guy that he is, right? Sleazy, like, yeah. yeah. Right down to those sunglasses. Ooh. <sighs> those sunglasses have definitely danced with the devil in the town of life. Yeah, I. I think, yeah, my notes just say, this is gross, Warren is gross. That's, like, my notes for the scene. I did write down the line, juicy, pulsating candy, because why? Oh, because, and oh I feel like they wrote that line in thinking, like, yeah, that, that we are going to make it canon at some point that Andrew is gay. Like, juicy and pulsating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he's talking about women, it's like... Have you, have you seen a woman before? Like, what? <laughs> and, and so then we we are reintroduced to katrina yes who looks a lot like amy do those actors look a lot alike or do i have like weird facial no they 100 percent do no they do especially once amy comes back with the long brunette hair as well yeah because yes. yeah. <laughs> when i i put on this episode yesterday and i i don't know for some reason like i had already watched a clip i think to like record a video for it 
and I was at the one of the end scenes where Jonathan is Katrina, and I really thought, oh, I don't remember Amy being in this episode. And I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, because I was watching it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, because she hates Buffy. And then right. she turns into Jonathan. I was like, oh, that's a different person. Yeah. <laughs> Although that actually is a really good, it, I mean, it's probably sheer coincidence. But then doesn't, in, in, in the comics later, doesn't Amy end up, like, dating a, a resurrected version of Warren? Yeah. Or I'm not sure if they're dating or just, like, villains together but like she, but yeah. and she lo- yeah and she looks just like the ex-girlfriend yeah. that he murdered it's yeah. that's wow okay um yeah okay so yeah so we get the reintroduction of katrina and it's like oh yeah she had that lucky escape in i mean this is basically a sequel to i was made to love you you know and she references the skank bot and i'm like don't slut shame the robot she was literally programmed that way it's not her fault <laughs> um and then, and then she, you know, she just keeps going, you know, saying so vocally how repulsive he is. And it's like, oh, good for you. Good for you. But like, oh God, like this is going to end so horribly for you and you don't deserve it. Um, and then he gets out the device and he puts on his Anastasia, I'm out of love sunglasses. And then uh, he, he brainwashes her. Um, and then, okay. Oh, yeah. So then we cut to Buffy getting home and we get maybe my favorite line of the episode, which is Anya telling her, you are looking a little pounded just around the eyes. <laughs> it's so on um, the nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, this is like a very dirty episode, but like, it's not, not, not in a very funny way where it, but that, that one line did make me laugh. Um, <laughs> and they're practicing dancing for the wedding and there's a reference to once more with feeling and it's like, I like oh. that. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like a rare moment of levity in this episode. Have you guys noticed though that um because Xander is always the worst, that is the uh the hill that I will forever harp and die on. <laughs> uh but in episodes where he has like nothing to do, he somehow manages to like make every single like moment that he has just like the extra worst. <laughs> like he's just like brutally annoying with every like fragment of a second that he's on screen. It's just like, God damn it, Xander, why can you just not be here? <laughs> See, I like I like him and Anya in these scenes. I mean, I will not soon because then he leaves her at the altar. <clears throat> but uh, I like the scenes where it's them just being like a couple together. I kind of like that and wish we could have gotten more of that because I feel like they are very sidelined this season until the wedding episode. They don't have anything to do, but like Buffy comes in and they're doing something, right? Like that's usually past like five episodes that's all xander and anya have been doing is like oh anya delivers funny lines and xander is there and that's it or they help with the research but i kind of i think he's like i don't know courtney i liked him better like this where it's like oh good he's not really involved in the main plot because he's not gonna like do something shitty or sabotage something he's just like there to like babysit okay great yeah he's just like he's annoying but like at least like not actually damaging, but it's still just like real fucking annoying. <laughs> I remember I have negative memories of Xander, but I remember watching this episode and like liking him more than I ever remember have. And I think it's because he just didn't have any lines this episode. <laughs> That's probably true. I'm choosing to think that it was intentional that Xander was sidelined in this episode because he did a love spell back in season two, which is basically the same gross, you know, mystical date rapey thing that the, the trio are doing. And it's like, they don't want the viewer to draw a direct line between the trio and Xander and be like, oh, you're really gross too. Well, Xander has always been that. Like, there's very little that separates Xander from the trio because Xander has always been that shitbird nice guy that was just like, I'm so great. Why can't Buffy love me? Like, it's that's always been Xander. (laughs) 
Yeah, oh, there, there is absolutely a version of the show where Xander ends up being like a member of the trio. He's just well, not clever I, enough. Well, yeah, well, we said earlier in the show, like I think seasons three, that like Xander's weird like obsession with Buffy would have made more sense if he, he was the one that ended up being gay. Because then it's like, oh, he was just like trying to project because like the way a lot of gay men when they were younger were like, oh, I have a crush on Buffy. But really, it's like you just loved Buffy and thought of her the way you thought of like, you know, an idol. And I that would have made a little bit more sense to me for Xander's character if it was like, oh, that was like he idolized her as like a closeted gay teen, not like in any but we never got there. So mm. this scene also starts the counter that I had for this episode of rooms that Dawn has stormed out of. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at one. And also, she also leaves on what is possibly one of the dumbest lines from the episode, which is my friend's mom promised she'd teach me how to grill tortillas. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, what is like the learning process there? So oh, I thought she <laughs> said make real tortillas. No, she said grilling tortillas. Oh, okay, Cook grilled okay. tortillas. <laughs> and it is wild. <laughs> because that only goes to show they were like, yeah, Don is just too dumb to be there. <laughs> but also, it's like, we, we, we need to take this underage girl out of the episode that is all about, like, sex crimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, In fairness, the next season, she almost destroys the house by trying to microwave a marshmallow. So, like, (laughs) she's got a long history of being bad at cooking. And again, no one here is trying to stick up for Dawn. Yeah. Oh, I love that that's that's a running thread, like how Buffy is a terrible driver. Like, Dawn is just, like, the world's worst cook. I like that. So, they leave. So, she leaves, and Buffy says, like, were we supposed to... So this is the thing I was wondering. Were we supposed to assume she was talking about alcohol? Because what does she yeah, say? Like, I mean, to say they drank. Frothy nectar. Yeah. yeah, like beer. I was like, is you are you talking about beer? Because also I don't think they're 21 yet. But in, in my head, like they, they've they just been so aged up. Then, and also like by this point, they were all nearly 30. So it's like, yeah, like <laughs> suspend your disbelief. Like, yes, you can drink alcohol, you know. True, yeah. <laughs> so then we cut back to the trio in their lair. And uh, that, oh, yeah. So- and Katrina is party city outfit i've ever <laughs> seen french made outfit is just like oh it's so well a a it's like oh my god gross and creepy but also agreed it's just like it's the world like it's like mean girls halloween you know i i will give the actress credit because she actually like carries it pretty well in part just because she like looks great like the whole like she for me was like the best uh fashion and hair for the episode the outfit she had in the cocktail bar and like her hair is done perfectly like she looked great even in, like, the cheapest, shittiest costume they gave her. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that is a talent. Did you guys notice that the only pronoun uh, Warren uses to uh, describe her is it? Yes. Oh, God. Yes. He never he never says her. Because he, uh, Jonathan and Andrew do. He says it every when time. I'm done, well, you, can, you can have it when I'm done with it. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Warren sucks. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know. I don't want to blister your minds with this. Hot <laughs> <laughs> Warren, and that's honestly that is what makes me still mad about the fact that it's just like, oh no, Willow is gone because she did this to Warren. It's just like Warren deserved it. I know. <laughs> I that yes, that'll be my argument for like, okay, well he deserved to die. I understand why you didn't want her to kill Andrew and Jonathan, but barely, <laughs> like. Yeah. um yeah so this scene is terrible i think tyler i think you're right like i think this actor is really good like i like 
that the mo- and I also appreciate that the moment she snaps out of it, she also kicks his ass. Yeah, she threw him clear across a room. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we cut to them like which also then I'm like, man, uh, they're like Andrew and Jonathan are playing with their lightsabers in the other room, which like would be a cute okay. scene if it weren't for <laughs> yes, which wouldn't be a would be a cute scene if it weren't for the fact that this woman they were trying to fucking rape. And I'm well, like Ugh. I actually I actually like in the in you know, the this scene, the way they do it, things get wacky again. Mm-hmm. Like they're being wackadoodles about right. it. And it's like they're playing with their lightsabers and he literally gets thrown out of the room like uh like uh Jazzy Jeff on Fresh Prince. Like he literally <laughs> like it's it's wacky. And then that makes it the moment where she says, This isn't a game, this is rape. It makes yeah. that hit all the harder. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I yeah, I'm so glad that they said like I, I that it needed to be said because I think if she hadn't said that, it would have played as just like, oh, geez, these boys are just like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. Boys will be boys. Women will be yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they almost nailed it because it was like this really strong, powerful moment that really just like took these characters that had frankly been like kind of, you know, wackily celebrated all season yeah. and just pointed yeah. it out for the monsters that they are. Yeah. And then she <laughs> says, and you're going to go to jail where you're going to get raped. It's like, come on. So close. <laughs> God damn it. You almost had it. I'm, but I'm willing to forgive that line because it's like, she's fucking furious. So I'm like, okay. Solid B for effort. Yes. Yes. I still like, I'm willing to forego that. Cause I'm like, okay, but she's so pissed. I mean, she's not a real person. So I'm going to put it on the writers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the writers did not get into a maid, but yeah. And also I think at that point, are we supposed to, does she not really know if they did rape her or not? I think she, so, I, because, like, obviously, I don't think this character, like, re- just knows that magic is real. I think maybe she thinks that Warren slipped something in her drink and that something almost happened. Yeah, she oh, knew she was on yeah. her knees. She knew right. what she That's, was, yeah. yeah. That's true, you're right. I guess she probably thought he, like, slipped, yeah. Um. I mean, she knows, like, crazy robots exist, so maybe she knows, I don't know. And she also orb. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. show it to her, and she's like, oh, oh that's, that's right. Yeah, she, she sees yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, I mean, they kept calling it a neural inhibitor. So, like, she knows it does something to inhibit her neurons right. or yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So then Warren fucking kills her. Um, and it's, uh, I, I'm glad that we, I'm glad they focus on like Andrew and Jonathan freaking out. Like, I'm glad. It, they needed to like like we we see what a supervillain Warren is. I mean, and that's always been the season buildup, right? They were wacky until we find out Warren is like a murdering rapist, terrible piece of shit. And these Andrew and Jonathan are kind of like out of their league, but they also still go along with it. Um, like for me, I wish this was the moment Jonathan went to Buffy. I wish Jonathan was like. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to help you hide Katrina. But then, like, went to Buffy's house and was like, shit is getting crazy. I, like, I'm sorry, but this is what's going on. Because I don't... I thought it was going to go. I wish it went that way. I wish it did, too. Because, and I think that, like, you know, to me, like, upon rewatch, you know, because this, this trio, like, with their, you know, their just, their love of just turning women into objects and their violence against women, all that fun stuff. But I think that the, it, the narrative needed it to not be an accident 
he doesn't accidentally kill her. He, yeah, like, he, hit her with take, a he like hits her with a bottle and he thinks that she might still be alive because they're dumb chodes who have only just seen movies. So he's like, get the thing. And now you have to give her a really strong dose. And they're like, shouldn't need to know she did. Uh, but like he does it. He does the thing. And I think that is what makes his ultimate comeuppance very satisfying. At least to me. I don't know that they meant it to be as satisfying as it was. <laughs> and they really don't compromise on the the horror in that scene. You know, it's like, because this is a, a show where you've got, you know, sort of thousand-year-old demons and, and, and witches and, and all kinds of supernatural shenanigans. And she is clawing at his face to try and get away. And then he hits her and, it, like, and he is, you know, he's bleeding because she's been fighting for her life. And it's like that, the, the, that kind of like scar on his face kind of makes him more monstrous than if he were an actual like you know zombie or or vampire or whatever because it's like he's not a supervillain in that moment he is just a, a man who hates women i also did kind of like that they try to do a thing where they're like now let's add a supernatural element to this and both of the kind of supporting characters are like we're out of our league on this one this one's just real and it's just kind of like ah shit like the scene has to be real life things for a minute like because it is very buffy to be like there is this problem let's magic it away to like abstract from the what's actually going on and this was like no we kind of have to sit with this one this is just what two dudes or a dude has done to a woman and it's real bad yeah yeah that's like my the that's the only reason why the trio i think is handled well but also like my biggest issue with this season overall is like uh, caleb rorig has said this every episode he's been on where in season six, the subtext of Buffy just becomes text. Like, there's no, like, oh, this is a metaphor for it. It's like, no, these are regular men with no superpowers being fucking terrible. Buffy's also fucking depressed. Like, there's no, there's not really any subtext here, which yeah. uh, which is either either you think it, like, works really well or doesn't. And I, for me, I'm like, eh, somewhere in between. Uh, I, I think it very much doesn't. <laughs> I, it, to varying degrees at various times in various plots. Yeah, yes. it's 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 a it's a <laughs> yes. long ass season, and some of those you know storylines work well, and some don't. Um, and speaking of sort of you know just tonal shifts, uh, so back to swing dancing at the bronze, because th- this episode does this a lot. I've I noted I only noticed uh, on rewatch today is they'll be like a sort of like um, a. a, 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 a a line of dialogue will end, like sort of be left hanging. And then so like it'll cut to the next scene and someone will say something as like a, a kind of stinger to the thing that was just said, but there's a new context for it. It's my least favorite <laughs> trope in all of writing, by the way. I hate that. Because <laughs> like it happens um, after the like, do you trust yes, me thing yeah. with the handcuffs? And it go it's so forced because it goes to Andrew saying like I can't believe I trust you and it's like what it's it just it's trying so uh, yeah yeah and then it's like Willow's like what's oh my god like what what have they done what what are they doing uh, and and she's talking about Xander and Anya dancing not the you know three guys covering up a, a dead body uh, and yeah so it um, it's just like. Yeah, this is an episode of of, of wild uh, tonal shifts. Um, I have to say, Anya's red dress quite cute. She she's wearing this like awful little like black character shoe that's like I have to do a dance number now, and it's like, oh god, like who in wardrobe was responsible for that, or did she just say I'm sick of wearing <laughs> heels? She forgot to change out of her rehearsal shoes. Yeah, because those were some clunkers. 
I didn't even notice the shoes. I was looking. I like. I like when she has her like fifty styles, like glam hair. I like the hair on the dress. Yes. Well, no. That's what I was about to say. Like, it feels like a nice little callback to Once More with Feeling. I also feel like Buffy's white top and leather yeah. necklace and leather skirt. It's it's very of the time, but I'm I, I'm quite into it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, she looks so much better than she did earlier. Um, and also, it's really sweet seeing Willow actually getting on with Anya, even if it's just for Xander's sake, when they're all like on the dance floor together. I, I just love that moment. It's like, again, it's like a rare, a rare nice moment in a right, really because, horrible episode. Because also, Willow deserves to be like, okay, let her have fun one night. She hasn't had a fun night this season. Let her just like, oh, I'm going to hang out with my friends and we'll dance and have fun. Like, I, I feel like she deserves that. <laughs> Especially when we know what's coming. <laughs> This is probably the best scene for Willow stylistically, just because what she is wearing to the bronze is like so far and above what everyone else is wearing and just like actually looks cool and like powerful lesbian energy. Oh yeah, this is a season where <laughs> Willow's wardrobe improves. Yeah. So then Buffy, um, what does she say? She's gonna go get a drink. Then she finds Buff- Spike on that balcony where normally there's a lot of people on that balcony, but for this scene's purposes, there is no one. Does he just live up there? Like he was just kind of waiting, I guess. Yeah, he's probably just, like, being a creep and watching her. Right, because he shifts so much even just in this episode from, like, oh, he, like, really cares about her to, like, oh, he's a predator. Oh, he's gross. Um, Yeah, and um, I don't... So, (laughs) there was a lot of fingering that goes on this season. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I think he has fingered her in every episode since they first had sex, which feels like a lot for a show that, like, the most sex they showed before was, like, season four but it was always like completely shadowed and like there was a sheet and buffy and like riley were rolling around upn man they could just get away with all the finger blasting (laughs) i said this on our live show but i think upn was probably like we're just happy to have you you can do whatever you want (laughs) you kids need a condom they'd rather yeah we'd rather you do it here in the house than out you know out in the world um so yeah so on that balcony spike is i don't know if you guys uh watch big mouth um Spike is the shame wizard in this scene. Yeah. When he's like, what do you think your friends... And he, even the, the oh, tone yeah. of his voice, he sounds like David Thewlis. He's like, what do you think your friends would say? What would they think if they knew the awful things you've done? Um, and then, like, making her watch them while he's, like, just, like, going at her from behind. It's so messed up. Well, okay. And let's let's get into that, please. All right. I want to, like, I want to paint a word picture for everyone. <laughs> because like I feel like whoever choreographed this particular scene does not know how vaginas operate and maybe it's in the maybe it's just all the way in the front and you know uh so he is standing behind her He he puts his arm in front of her he goes up her skirt and fingers her his arm would have to be like five feet long and in, yeah. like have an extra elbow and like just an added hinge to get this angle. Like I'm, I'm honestly trying to do it. I like, I can't, I couldn't do it to myself. Like it's, it's insane to me that they're like, this makes sense. Like, just go with it. Like, let's just do it. It's like, that's not I how I feel like every time I've watched this episode previously, I thought that he, cause it's like a, a fairly long skirt. I thought he'd literally like, kind of pulled the skirt up and was actually like going at her from behind oh you mean oh you mean like he unzipped his pants and was like yeah like i honestly thought they were like they were they were like really like prop having like full-on penetration am i am i am i wrong well i mean they didn't 
Maybe Buffy likes butt stuff this season. I don't know. Well, he didn't give any effort into like, you know, like a jostle yeah. even to like get it in there. Like, no, I, I think it's supposed to be that he's fingering her. Cause also like, I, yeah, I mean, Courtney, you're right. I'm, it's like, there's a scene in Double Meat Palace where they're just like, she's wearing pants and they're just like humping behind the Double Meat Palace. And it's mm-hmm. like, what, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> I do, I feel the same way actually about the roller coaster scene in Fear, where it's just like, <laughs> does, does, has, has anyone seen a vagina? Come on, God, I forgot about that scene. That was such a big deal in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, and then so we have another we have another one of those cringeworthy cuts that that Courtney is so fond of, where Xander is like, oh, I think I pulled a muscle. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to point out they for sure needed to get Dawn out of the episode for that scene because if Dawn had been dancing with them, it would have made it. I mean, it's already gross and weird, but it would have made it like a bajillion times more weird. Yeah. yeah. So, so I feel like they were like, well, she's going to get fingered on a balcony while looking at her friends. So we can't have Dawn be there. <laughs> you can't. You can't look at your child sister. Well, it's just like at least for all of the places this season went, yeah. it didn't go there. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like, right, the scene's already not great, but um, yeah. So Xander says he thinks he pulled a muscle. Um, I like this scene we get of Tara and Willow outside the magic box. Uh, I'm, I was just going to say, I'm a huge fan of Willow's uh, daytime Stevie Nicks fantasy outfit. Uh, I want that jacket thing that she has with the bat wings. I, I love that she's wearing the jacket she goes evil in. I was just going to say, like, that's, that's the dark Willow jacket. Oh, she owns that jacket. That is, yeah, that's good work. <laughs> and like, they just make it different because it's open instead of like when she goes evil, it's like all buttoned up. I don't know, even more. Yeah, um, and I kind of like that because it's like, oh, look, this is like she's teetering on, I don't know, but like, oh, this is the outfit she'll wear when she goes evil in a few episodes. Also, the scene is cute. Tara's kimono jacket is gorgeous. I kind of like it. Yeah. Again, it's a bit Stevie Nicks as well. I, I, yeah, I, I'm, in, I'm into it's a very lesbian scene, this, and I'm, I, I support it. I'm proud of them. They split all of Stevie Nicks's witchy and lesbian energy between the two characters, which yeah. works. <laughs> so you know they're perfect for each other big coven vibes here yes so yeah so so they have a sweet moment where they're kind of they're getting closer to reconciliation and then okay so this is one of my favorite scenes of the entire season and it's what when i when i think of season six i think of this and it's buffy going walking through the cemetery to out of this world by bush it's like such an emo I... gothic like First of all, I, I'm loving the like the little nod because in season two, Buffy mentions having a crush on Gavin Rossdale. So I'm I'm That's, I'm into that. Philip, I'm glad you looked that up because I thought I was like, this is like very rock of the time. Oh, but like I, it probably is an actual band. I didn't it is. I didn't have to look it up, I already knew. <laughs> <laughs> um and and that scene where uh, uh, Buffy and Spike are standing on opposite sides of the crypt door, uh more gothic, more romantic than anything the show did with her and Angel. And I just, yeah. At the time, Uh-oh. I was like, this is the height of, like, artsy, just, like, lush, operatic, beautiful. I mean, looking back, it's like it's, it's about as subtle as when she stands in front of the Angel statue with the wings. Um, but, yeah, I was, I, was just, I was just really, really into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, for me, it, that's, I, I can't believe I didn't realize it was Bush. Um, but I, the song feels like, 
I think a lot of the music works because it works with the episode, but I think this song just feels like very dated. I don't know. Uh, and it also feels like very unbuffy, but it doesn't feel like a song they would normally it, use. Well, it's not Sarah McLaughlin, if, if that's what you mean. <laughs> well, because usually it's either like Sarah McLaughlin, Michelle Branch, or like a really good like string instrument recording, right? Hey, they also got Amy Mann that one time. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think having, you know, dark, sexy rock works with this season. It wouldn't have fit with season five, but for this, and, and for this specific episode, I don't know, it's just like, it, it's it's such a brief interlude where if you took it out of the episode, it wouldn't affect the plot whatsoever. It's just like a minute of, of atmosphere. And I just think it's lush. I love it. Um, and I just, yeah, I, so I just wanted to, I just wanted to, to, to wax lyrical about that for a moment. Um, and then we get the incredibly creepy and I think quite effective uh, sort of Lynchian wood scene with Katrina and the demons. They even call that out later. They're like very yeah. good. They did. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the scene, like while I, I kind of really don't like the rest of this episode, but I think this scene is like really, because clearly Buffy always had a limited budget, right? Even when they were in six seasons in. So they could only do like fast cuts. They couldn't really do like disappearing on like, and make it believable they couldn't oh they had fast cuts and i think they make them work really well in this scene like you're confused as to what's going on and as is buffy and i i don't know i think this scene's like really well done yeah they did uh three scenes from three camera angles and just kept like it was the exact same thing each time and just kept mashing it together over and over again like it was well executed for what they were working with but i was also just like uh, you've shown that you've shown that exact angle and like uh in that sequence before like you guys either need to change it up a little bit or it just looks like it's a record like skipping on loop which i guess is the desired effect but it, like it was at times a little bit too much like is my hulu like glitching <laughs> um yeah and so then my notes say fuck jonathan the most because then he comes into the van he's katrina and but turns into him and it very much looks like amy um buffy's reaction i don't know buffy's reaction felt like too much to me what did you all think um buffy overreact <laughs> <laughs> groundbreaking um i i mean i think this is it's it's kind of she's just like it's a way when she thinks that she has accidentally killed someone even though it is absolutely you know would have been an accident if that were the case she's just looking for any reason to or excuse to externalize her self-loathing and she's like well i guess i gotta go to prison now mm. um and That's... and yeah i mean I, I i like the fact that spike is there for it because i think there's like an alternate version of the season that could have gone on for like several episodes where spike and buffy cover up katrina's death together and then having that dark secret just kind of drives them even closer together and, and kind of down that hole together Oh, I would have hated it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know, Courtney, you've written a you've written a lot about season six. What do you think about this scene? I I <laughs> I feel like this episode actually sums up everything that I both like and hate about season six. And like it kind of just hits like like a pinball machine of all the good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I don't know I don't know <laughs> I don't know I I think I would have uh, I wish it would have been immediately she recognized Katrina like I, I think if she had been like really upset 
that like she killed someone, but then like, I don't know. There's like a little bit of more light that shines on Katrina's face. And she's like, wait a minute. She looks familiar and then pieces it together. I think I would have liked this episode, but it's the fact that then she like goes like, uh, also, I'm not sure what's happening in the flash scenes when she's laying in bed. Did she have sex with Spike afterwards or was she just a nightmare? It's just very, it's terrible placement of like another like weird jump cutty, like montage thing where it's like, we had one that was actually like plot, and then she had a bad dream. And the two and look like they're part of the same thing. And it's shot so weird. I think it's yeah. because of like the framing and the background and the lighting and her stupid hair. <laughs> and it's just all of it weird it's- and bad. But yeah, it's like, I think that that's what, it's like Buffy just goes from zero to I did this. And, like, no further, like, investigation. No, like, yeah. looking into anything. She just, like, assumes. Like, she put way more thought into it when Faith killed, uh, what is it, yeah. Mr. Crick. Yeah, like, yeah. actual yeah. effort and thought went into it. Like, this is just, like, well, I have killed someone, and now I must go to the police. I'm, also, yeah. like, her body is immediately cold, and I'm not at all suspicious. Like, what have <laughs> yeah. I done? Like, that yeah. girl's been dead for hours. Did Spike fuck away any of her powers of deduction? Like, what happened? <laughs> Sometimes I mean, it like, will do Also, that I mean, I thought Slayers were supposed to have dreams that kind of, you know, gave them glimpses of some some higher truth. And this is just like an incredibly horny death dream, which convinces her she has to go to the police. It's been there. <laughs> um, so then she, she gets up, she puts on... Um, I mean, what is the weather in Sunnydale? She puts on like a turtleneck and leather coat to go and say goodbye to Dawn. And it looks like the same coat she wore on graduation day. I was going to say that. I thought it was. And then when she's, when she's saying that she has to go away, she says, Dawny, I have to, which is the phrasing she used when she was about to sacrifice herself. And then I believe, I believe Tyler, this is the second room that Dawn storms out of. Yes, but more specifically, uh, Dawn gets upset because obviously this is a stupid thing for Buffy to be doing. But also, she then storms out of her own room uh, in a house that she has nowhere to go and she's just not seen from until the end of the episode. So where did Dawn go? And it's the middle of the <laughs> night. She's in her pajamas. <laughs> yeah, and she gets up and she like leaves her bed and Buffy is just like, well. But see, I think that's a good point that you just mentioned, Tyler. Like, Dawn is right. Like, Buffy gets to like, no, I'm going to go to jail forever. Like, it- I don't know, like, Dawn and Spike are both right when Spike's like, well, you can't say a bunch of demons were attacking a girl and you accidentally hurt her. They're not going to believe you. And Dawn's like, you can't do that. It was an act like, but I guess you're right, Courtney, too, that Buffy's just like so depressed that she's like, great, now I'll go to jail and pay for my sins. Great. Uh, I don't know. And the Dawn scene, I think normally Buffy any scenes in Buffy where they're supposed to tug at your heartstrings usually work and I cry, but the scene like really didn't work. Like it just felt like too much. Well, it's also, there's a lot happening in this episode too. So like this all of the sudden random real revelation that like, oh, I've killed someone. Now it's time to go to jail. And it's like, what? I'm sorry. I'm, I need to catch up. Right? And, and <laughs> you have not had time to process this or care. And there's no way yeah. that Buffy, we, like no one watching this episode, even at the time was like, oh God, is Buffy actually going to go to prison? Like, you know that she's going to figure it out. And it it's just that like she, oh yeah, I, I guess. She would have to go and say that to Dawn if it were really going to happen. And so they had to have that scene, but it's just sort of like, you can skip it, you know, it's like the stakes 
are meant to be high, but we know that, but they're not really. Um, I think the scene that actually works a lot better is when Spike is trying to stop her from going into the police station. And first of all, he's like, oh, I took care of it. And then immediately it's like the police have found the body because he's just... Yeah, you threw her in a river. <laughs> I, see, that joke for me, that joke would work in a different episode. For me, that joke like was weirdly cutting because i love him saying oh balls uh but it doesn't work with like what's going on because it's like it's a woman who got beaten to death by a man who tried to rape her it's like i don't want a fun funny and buffy's like crying thinking she did it and like going to turn herself in to go to jail like there's no i think the funny scene like doesn't work it's like totally out of place yeah it's super weird uh spike does however uh Use utilitarianism in a very effective way in an argument with Buffy, which she just does not engage with at all. I have a degree in philosophy. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah, um, he, he says, uh, you know, you, you, you accidentally killed one, but like, think of how many lives you saved. That doesn't tip the scale. Uh, and then they just have the most brutal fight, and she just beats the shit out of him. Yeah. There, there is a point where she is on top of him, like, punching it. She's holding him with her left hand and punching him with the right, and... James Marsters' head is just going both ways uh, with the sound effect. And it's like, guys, like this is a serious scene. Like, I get that you have to make the punchy noise, but could you at least, like, have him go left when he's getting punched accordingly? Like, there's so many oversights in this scene of, like, this should be, like, really serious and dark. And you guys are being like, no, like, let's buffy it up and make it a little, like, whimsy in the uncomfortable times in between. Yeah, and then she like goes into the police office, or the police station, and was like the officer's like yelling evidence. Yeah, and like the officer's like, oh no, blah blah. Hold on, we're not taking statements. And then she hears her name, and that's when she remembers her. Um, I don't. I just think we needed to get to that point a lot sooner, even though it's not that much time between. Uh, we didn't need her telling Dawn she's going away. We didn't need her like completely beating Spike to a pulp. I. That was those scenes I really didn't need. I felt like they were too much. And so know. then we, so she she leaves, and then immediately, like her and the Scoobies are kind of going into investigation mode, and um, it's kind of like, okay, you know, we know that Buffy's innocent. We're gonna we're gonna skip past it. Buffy's yeah, Dawn is still a bit sour over it, but we know we know we know that it's Warren. Um, forgive me, like correct me if I'm wrong, but they never actually mentioned Katrina's name again after this episode. Like, Buffy knows that she has to track the, the trio down, but there's no, like, oh, we need to find justice for this, like, murdered woman, specifically. Well, I... No, I don't, th- I don't think so. It's like she, like, she literally was a, a, a device, like a plot device, which is, which is kind of sad. Um, and it just makes the episode even darker and more, like, ugh. Well, no, wait, we do, wait, we do see her again... Because Willow makes her appear. Oh, that's like, right. Oh, okay, yeah. So actually, yeah, like we do kind of get justice for Katrina in the form of Willow skinning him. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna rewatch that episode later just to get a bit of catharsis. I think I need it. I do like the David Lynch line. I do like Buffy explicitly saying, "That's why time went all David Lynch." Is the understanding that Andrew made one of those? Because they kind of were like, Anya has this like weird off scene with her hair pulled back, and it does look great, but she's just like. Yeah, it was just this weird time loop. You must have just like stumbled into one. And then they're like, and that explains the weird jump cuts. And I, it's like, I what? think Andrew summoned the demons and then be yeah. interacting with them is what makes time. Like when, when they come to this world, they just, they, yeah, time, the, the laws of time become distorted. I think they, they, they kind of, they had to kind of fudge it. They had to oh, fudge an explanation together. But I think, yeah, the, the 
it's the implication is that Andrew summoned those demons and then uh, Jonathan pretended to be like he posed as Katrina. Katrina. So Warren didn't actually do anything. He killed her and then he got the other two to use their abilities to cover it up. Right. <laughs> Great. Entirely Every- too much happens in this there episode. Yes. So much going on. So Tyler, the only reason we know that and that I can remember that is because going through the season, that's like you learn like explicitly what each one of the trio brings and Andrews is he's really good at like summoning demons and Jonathan's good yeah. at spells and Warren's the leader or I don't know what he's good at technology I think rape yeah rape yeah there you go <laughs> it was also because Anya explains it as like this natural phenomena but I guess it makes sense if like the demons were the thing that cause it that that was confusing because it was just like oh you guys really shoehorned in like we wanted to try some fun <laughs> editing and then I don't know if we all caught it, but so then Buffy says you always hurt the one you love um, in the magic box in front of everyone. Uh, and I was like, wait, is this like the first time we're admitting that she does have feelings for Spike? Like, what? what is yeah. this? And also yeah, they wanted that. to, you know, draw a parallel between Warren and Katrina and that, you know, abusive relationship. And yeah, oh, it's yeah. So so it's just... I, that was one of the lines where like like one of the repeated lines that when I first watched it when I was like I don't know 16 17 or whatever I was like oh my god that's like so deep and watching it now I was like that does not track at all right because yeah. <laughs> also because Warren didn't love her she was the possession yes Buffy and Spike I've I am vocally on record as my feelings on that shit show disaster of a relationship <laughs> Nothing is good. Nothing is healthy. Everything is bad and terrible. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season six. <laughs> yes. Um, but so blah, blah. The trio's happy they got away with murder. Andrew says he's happy they got away with murder. Um, then we get the final scene, which I really love this scene uh, between Willow or between Tara and Buffy. I think this scene, everyone's acting is like at an A plus. Uh, the two of them really deserve to have more like friend scenes together. I would have loved to see like, oh, there's an episode where Buffy and Tara are getting coffee. I don't know. Uh, Tara is because I think Giles would have maybe been the one if Giles had still been there that she talked to about this. But Tara is such a good. She's never judgmental. Um, even when Buffy's, when Buffy starts crying and is like, why did I let him do these things to me if I'm not a, you know, a demon or whatever? And Tara's like, you mean him hitting you? And Buffy just looks at her crying and she's like, oh, and Tara's immediately, this scene did make me cry. Um, Tyler, don't make fun of me. Uh, (laughs) this scene immediately, I think works so well because Tara's like, it's okay if you love him. He's done a lot of good because he has. Tara's being incredibly fair. And she's like, and it's okay if you don't love him. And then Buffy's like, why is it okay if I use him? And it's just like, Ugh, Buffy's so fucking depressed. And I don't know. I think both of them are acting. The acting is top tier. The dialogue is great. You know, when Buffy puts her head in Tara's lap, Tara just like very tenderly like pets her hair. And it's like, oh. Yeah, Tara's non-reactivity is her greatest feature in this episode, which is such a strange thing to be like, oh, I'm so good at, like, being the only person who, like, doesn't judge you in your friend group, which, okay, weird. The one thing that I actually think that, like, this season 
does really well. And I think that the issue with it is that it's so complex that it doesn't necessarily work against everything else they're trying to do, especially like, but a wacky. But it's with, with Buffy and with Buffy's storyline specifically. And then with Willow's, it does very well at depicting um, spiraling out of control based on trauma, which I think they show that with Buffy very well. And it gets, it gets hurt by ultimately being in some ways romanticized as a love story when it is like this, it's a trauma story and it, it's gotten romanticized along the way and both in the writing and, and otherwise. And then with Willow and, and the, the addiction stuff that I think to varying degrees of success, but like it, when it, when the show did it well, it did it really well. And I think that this conversation with Buffy and Tara was like a really excellent depiction of that, like just begging for something to be wrong with her. She was, she can understand why she's doing this, why she feels this way and for it to be easier. Like, I think that's a, like a, a massively relatable thing. Right. Yeah. It's, she wants she wants there to be a reason why she like she wants there to be like a magical supernatural reason why she's depressed but there isn't it's like no you're just depressed and tara knows that right tara tara immediately understands buffy is depressed tara doesn't judge her tara's sweet tara lets her cry tara lets her get all of her things out and tara flatly delivers her lines which is what you need when you're feeling like spirally right you need someone who's just completely calm who can let you freak out it does make sense that Tara's the one who like gets it because her whole backstory is she's like, there's a magical reason that you're the way you are and that thing is wrong. And yeah. like Buffy and the gang are the ones who are like, no, there's nothing wrong with Tara. You've just been made to feel bad. And I feel like this is her like paying that forward, like right before, yeah. um, you know, um, but no, it is a really sweet scene. And that this is actually the scene that like snapped everything back into focus for me. I was like, oh my God, I do remember this episode. And I do remember like looking over a lot of like the kind of cringiness from it because I was like invested in Buffy's story in watching the entire thing. I was like, oh, like, cause it's hard to watch this as a one-off because it's such like a segue episode, despite that there's so much happening. It's like, now we get into the main plot for the rest of the season. Yeah, they're moving a lot of pieces. I mean, like you said, Courtney, there's too many things in this episode, but they're definitely like, oh, we've had all these, like, one-off episodes. Oh, we focused on Will's addiction, but, like... And I think I said this in a previous episode. Will's addiction didn't even need to be the story this season. It would have still made sense if Tara died, and that's why Willow went all dark. Like, it, I don't think we needed the addiction. I don't know. But they're definitely setting every piece up in this episode for... It's like, okay, now every all the chess pieces are aligned. Now we're go for the rest of the miserable season where Tara's gonna die and the wedding's gonna be miserable and everyone's going to be depressed even more (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so uh i guess we're at the end right um i would like to circle back quickly because at the last scene in the magic box we're like we have to avenge katrina uh Dawn does make her third storm out after (laughs) like Dawn, i will stick around she's like well i won't and then again where did Dawn go (laughs) Where is she storming? Maybe she went home, Tyler. She's twelve. <laughs> she there is no world where Dawn can safely get home by herself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not in Sunnydale. Um, but okay, so we're at the end. Um, favorite outfit, Philip. 
Um, so in the scene, well, there's a, there's a few options this 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 week. So you know, there's the the really cute like uh, white top with the, the leather necklace. There's uh, there's the red dress that Anya wears. But I think for me, it's when Buffy is beating the snot out of Spike. Uh, he's wearing this black blouse with a, a paisley print. It's it's very Harry Styles, and I have one similar. So I'm gonna give it my vote. Oh, uh, Courtney, um, come back to me. Because okay. I need to think. Because <laughs> I think my answer was ironic, and I need to think about an actual joyful answer. <laughs> okay, Tyler. My favorite was definitely uh, Willow's bronze outfit, the auburn suit that like matches her hair and like has some like old timey couch fabric looking shirt under it. I love that. <laughs> my favorite outfit is I I do love Anya's red dress, so that's like a close second. But yeah, the white top with the maybe leather skirt and the the like is it even a choker philip right because it's like string tied around it was a very early 2000s thing where you would just like wrap leather cord around various limbs and extremities and like that you'd call it a look i want you to know that like i actually like i have to go run some errands after we record and i thought i wonder if i could stop at like a craft store and buy one of those to wear because I might try to. <laughs> so while you could, you should not. <laughs> Fuck off, Tyler. Um, Cardi, are you ready with your favorite so, yes, outfit? Anya's dress is very, very good, but I very much enjoy uh, Willow's like uh, business lesbian. Uh, yes. She's wearing at the same at the bronze as well. She's wearing like a velvet blazer, <laughs> and it's just it's like business wicked lesbian, and I'm into it. I always appreciated when they actually dressed Tara and Willow like, like they like leaned into the like Wicca lesbian look. I always appreciated that. Yeah. So shout out to Tara's kimono, actually. I think that's maybe the best she has ever, has ever looked. It is. I bet it's real staticky though. Oh yeah. Cause it's not silk. It's, it's like polyester. Yeah. <laughs> so favorite scene, Tyler. Oh, um, I mean, it's hard to say anything but the scene with Buffy and Tara, just because there are so many others that like almost get there and then just like fall apart in like the last line or two. Um, I mean, just for comedy's sake, the one uh, where Dawn first storms out is a close second, just because that scene again just like barely makes sense, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, Tara and uh, Mich- Sarah Michelle Geller ugly crying to Tara was probably my favorite. Oh yeah, hard same. Uh, yeah, so, same, um, I just, yeah, so it's, I think I have two specific reasons why that scene, why I love it so much. The first is, uh, Buffy essentially comes out to Tara knowing that she is, like, the one that will keep her secret. Like, I feel, when Tara says, I would never tell, like, I, I, like, you can trust me, I would never tell, it's like, it's like one queer person trusting their secret with another. Um, and then when she says, please don't forgive me. Uh, it's like when Faith says, please kill me on Angel. And it's like, basically this whole episode is showing how Buffy would have dealt with Faith's arc. But they don't want to give it a whole season. So they're like, we're going to give Buffy Faith's entire story, but in 45 minutes. <laughs> well, thank God. Because if this were a season arc, I... Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, the Buffy Tara scene is my... Fa- I, I forgot this episode ended with that scene because I love that scene so much. I can remember the first time I watched this episode. Even like I, when a season seven, when season six aired, I loved it a lot more than I love it now going through it episode by episode. But I remember 
thinking that scene was so good and crying so much the first time I watched that scene. Uh, so yeah, that scene is my absolute favorite. Um, now we're going to grade the episode, Courtney. I'm going with a, a you know, a, like a, just a middle of the road C because I think that the good stuff is good and then the bad stuff drags it down and it, it just breaks even. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Philip? I am thinking B, uh, because it is, it's integral to the season. It sets up everything that's going to come with the attempted rape later on. Um, but I do think like, this is one of the episodes people think about when they say that season six is a drag. So yeah, it's, I'm B minus. Okay. Tyler? Uh, I was harsher on first review, but I think I'm going to agree and say it's probably a C. Um, I actually, out of curiosity, looked up this episode's ranking on that box list from a few years ago. Mm. And this actually clocked in at 60, which I thought was high. But I I think for the exact reasons Courtney gave, what worked, worked. It was just, for me, it was a little too far and few in between of what did work. And what did work, they often, like, had something in it that just made it a little too janky to be like, this is a great episode of Buffy. Yeah, I I also give it a C. I think this is, like, the third episode in a row of Buffy I'm giving a C, and I never usually rank below b um yeah thank you all for joining us thank you philip for co-hosting with me if you would like to follow slayerfest 98 you can find us on at slayerfest x 98 on twitter and instagram we are on soundcloud soundcloud google play itunes and other places and if you would like to subscribe to our patreon keep it really helps keep this podcast going um and it's much appreciated and if you want to follow me on social media i am at ian x carlos philip where can everyone find you uh, you can find me on twitter at philip underscore ellis that's philip with one l ellis with two tyler uh, you can find me on twitter and instagram at mead by mead it's my last name m-e-a-d by mead you can figure it out <laughs> And Courtney, where can everyone find you? I'm Court Enlow on Twitter and Courtney Enlow on Instagram. I know. <laughs> all right, cool. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.